Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Dancing on Our Disabilities show is a global forum where you're invited to share your personal story of survival and triumph over disability. A meeting place to gather information from experts in the medical community and additional resources for the enrichment of society. A group dedicated to bringing information, support, and love into the lives of people with disabilities as well as their caregivers. Welcome to Dancing on Our Disabilities Radio. We bring you guests that will enrich your life in some way. Our topics on NSI and DOOD Radio are always about creating success in life regardless of obstacles and adversities. I'm Myra Goldick, your host, and you can find us at facebook.com forward slash dancing on our disabilities and of course on my website, Myra Goldick. Please stop by and leave us a comment and remember to like the page while you're visiting. Our topic today What do you know about epilepsy? Most people know of epilepsy and have some understanding of what it is, but have never been in the presence of someone who is actually having a seizure, whether it is mild or aggressive. The problem is that it can be dangerous to the person who's experiencing the seizure if you don't know how to help that person. There are 65 million people worldwide, can you believe that, who have been diagnosed with epilepsy. All of us need to understand what it is and how to support the research that will help end epilepsy someday. Our guest is Katie Beck who is going to tell us what we need to know about this neurological disorder and how we can help. Katie is the Senior Community Development Manager for the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida. Katie, in her position as Development Manager, is working to create much-needed awareness about epilepsy and how it affects individuals and families in our community. And it really has an impact that few of us are aware of. She is building a team of sponsors and donors that want to make Palm Beach and the Treasure Coast areas a place of understanding and support for all those suffering with epilepsy on all levels. Welcome, Katie. Thank you, Myra. Did I mutilate your last name? No. No. Okay. Uh, For one second, I said, oh, my goodness. And I must tell the audience that her last name is spelled B 
O-E-C-K. So even though it's going to be in the blog, if you're listening to this and never you never get around to reading the blog, that is how her name is spelled. Okay. I'm really excited about this because when I was really young as a child, I saw somebody have a seizure. I didn't know what it was, and it scared me half to death. And I think that's something that many people may experience if they happen to witness an epileptic seizure. Can you explain to the audience what it is and what causes it? Um, yes, um, <clears throat> epilepsy. There's several different definitions. Um, it's actually a neurological disorder that causes people to have recurrent seizures. Um, <clears throat> and a seizure is a brief disruption of electrical activity that happens in the brain. Um, it's not contagious. It's not a mental illness. Um, and it's not a developmental disability. Uh, some say that it may be hereditary or genetic, and there's a lot of tests going on right now and, and um trials to see, you know, if it is related to genetics and um, hereditary. Well, it is a very mysterious disorder if you don't understand. And I did a lot of reading about it before inviting you on. And the way it's described is really an electrical thing that happens within the brain that causes this. And it still confused me because I really haven't had that much experience with it. And I think the fear surrounding it is something that we need to talk about. Why are so many people afraid when they see it? Um, They're not sure what's going on. And a lot of times, um, you know, fear provokes a lot of different types of feelings. They want to help, but they don't know how to help. They don't understand what's going on, and they're afraid they may hurt the person. Um, And and it depends on if it is an accident that just happened and the person is having seizures for the first time or if if it's something that the, um, the person has had for a long time. You could sometimes find a bracelet on them and see, you know, you know, how to help them, or sometimes they can talk, sometimes they can't talk, because there's so many different types of seizures that it's it's hard to know actually when someone is having um, a seizure and when they're not. Sometimes they call them well, many vacations, like with my daughter, she has um, absence seizures, and she looks at you and she, lo- she sees you, but she can't hear you and she can't respond, um, and, and they're pretty brief at times. But if someone has a tonic-colonic seizure, then they're usually on the ground and they're flailing a little bit or their um, their body is in <clears throat> spasm. So it's uncontrolled movements. And um, so a lot of people don't really understand how to react to that. Well, I was really interested when you explained to me, we were at a networking meeting and you explained to me how you discovered that your daughter had it. Can you tell the audience about that? Because there could be parents that are unaware of that, maybe listening to this, and it may go undetected. And if a child is in school, the teacher is busy trying to control a whole classroom, and she may not know, or he may not know, that one of the children or students is experiencing these temporary lapses 
Can you go into that a little bit further? Sure, absolutely. And that's why um, the foundation is so important and critical to the community because we go out and we train the teachers and uh, support staff, bus drivers, you know, what to look for, um, how, to, how to understand what's going on and how to um, not diagnose it but to know to send them uh, to a specialist for, you know, possibilities. With my daughter, um, I just happened to walk over and watch her read one day. Usually you're in the kitchen doing your thing and you're not paying attention really. You're just listening. But I walked over and, and looked at her and she was reading a book. Uh, this was two years ago. And all of a sudden she stopped and her eyes rolled back in her head and then they came back down and then she started reading again. But it was that brief pause with the eyes rolling back and the um, non-responsiveness that said, I need to figure out what this is. So I got her to do it again by saying I wanted to tape it for my mom to see, you know, how she, how well she's reading. And, um, and she did it again. So I, I had it on my phone and I took it to my pediatrician. And from that point, she referred me to a neurologist, um, which said that she was having seizures um, and then referred me to an epileptologist, which is a, a specialist that, um, Special a neurologist, sorry, that specializes in epilepsy and seizure disorders. From the beginning to the end, how long did she was she absent? Um, it felt like forever, but it was probably five seconds, five to six seconds. It's interesting. She, I read that she was seven years old when when you discovered it. Was she aware that something was going on? No. And now that she's older, she knows what to look for. So, uh, for example, she was in ballet class, um, I guess it was about a month and a half ago, and she noticed she was in the front of the class and she was up on her toes and she, I guess she had had a seizure and when she came out, she noticed everybody else had already moved on to the next movement. And she just kind of thought, why am I still on my toes? And so now she understands what to look for, which helps me tremendously because as a mother, you really, you know, I can't be with her all the time. So I rely on her and other, you know, other teachers and um, people in the community to let me know if they notice that she's having a seizure, which is, you know, the importance of um, teaching the community about, you know, awareness and and to watch out. A lot of times these children are diagnosed with ADD, ADHD uh, mistakenly. So they go through their, through their lives on ADD, ADHD medication where they're actually having um, absent seizures. So that's why wow. our, our that is crucial to know. Yeah, it is. The misdiagnosis is, it's hard because it does look like they're not paying attention. Um, it does look like they're daydreaming. Um, but if you really know what to look for, if you see a child doing that and you you call their name or you make a loud noise, if they turn to you and respond, then they're probably just daydreaming. But if they do not respond and they're just staring at you or they're just staring up in space, then it may be a reason to go see a, a specialist. Is it similar to when your eyes get fixated and you can't? seem to be able to move them. I had a friend many years ago who would seem to get stuck in 
in the moment and just sort of look at me as if their eyes were frozen. They didn't roll back in the head, but I was young. I didn't know, but I thought there was something wrong. So I never, I felt like I would be offending the person if I said, did you know that your eyes were stuck and you were just staring in one place? So if someone experiences something like that with a classmate or a friend, do you think you should question them? I would kind of let them know. Uh, Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it, which is one of the golden rules. And it's like you just tell them, I just wanted to bring this to your attention um, to let you know what what I noticed. And, you know, maybe it was daydreaming. Um, The eyes don't always roll back in in the head with my daughters now. She just stares straight ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's best to bring it to their attention just so they know, wow, maybe this is something I need to ask around about. Um, You know, ask their parents, ask their family members, have you noticed this? Or ask their teachers. And... um, and, and finding it um, as soon as possible, early diagnosis, is the best way to control it. Now, absolutely. She is 10 years old and in the fourth grade, and she started a club. I really want you to tell the audience about this wonderful, young, budding girl. I mean, she's almost a teenager, 10, you know, she's on the cusp there. And she started a club to bring awareness to disabilities. Can you tell us about that? Um, She did. I'm very proud of her. Um, She kind of walks to her own beat, and she's not afraid. Um, She can get up and speak in front of just about any size crowd, and she loves it. She loves to bring awareness to other things that are, are going on in the community, especially disabilities. So what she did was she decided she would like to um, start a club at her school for a- during aftercare, and she put a PowerPoint presentation together for her principal of what she wanted to do, and it was called Be Aware and Care Kids, which the initials are B-A-C-K, and her little motto is, we've got your back. Um, she's really about getting information into the hands of, of the community and into the hands of, of children so that... Um, they understand what's going on with other their classmates. Um, and just because somebody is different, um, maybe it's something you can help with, or maybe with a little more understanding, you can show kindness instead of making fun of them or laughing at them. Maybe a child is um, has lost his hair, and maybe that child has a, a form of cancer. And um, somebody walks with a limp, maybe they have a bone disorder or a growth disorder. So it's making children and adults in the community more aware of, of the disabilities and disorders that are out there so that they're um, a little more kind and a little more compassionate towards um, disabilities of others. Well, I think that's true of society in general. I think education, well, it dismisses fear. And you tend to be able to look at the person and not the disability once you understand. And there's so much ignorance about disabilities that people like your daughter and yourself that go out into the community and constantly remind people that these are things that can happen to anybody. 
anybody can develop a disability, anybody can become a part of that minority at any point during their life. And the more you understand about it, the less you'll fear it, and the more you will be able to relate to people as everyday people, regardless of their disability. I'm really excited about what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. And your organization is very strong in Florida. Probably it's all around the United States, but I know that you are working really hard in Palm Beach County and on the Treasure Coast to really bring awareness. Tell us about Walk the Talk for Epilepsy and what's going on and when it's happening and so forth and how people get involved. Okay. Well, we're really excited about it. It is our, um, it is our large fundraiser of the year, and um, we have nine walks all around the state. Um, we have Hollywood, Miami, Treasure Coast, Palm Beach, Daytona, Jacksonville, Pensacola, Gainesville, and Naples. Um, the two walks that I um, am in charge of is the Palm Beach Walk, which is Sunday, March 13th at Carlin Park, and that's in Jupiter. And then the Treasure Coast Walk is Saturday, March 12th at Tradition City Hall up in Port St. Lucie. It's up near Tradition Square. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're really excited. We um, we have a lot of great vendors and um, entertainment and face painters, and hopefully the fire departments will come out and the police rescue and um, the, do- the epileptologists from the area, the neurologists, the hospitals. We're looking forward to everybody getting involved and, and opening these doors for people with epilepsy and seizure disorders to see that there are so many avenues for assistance, not just through the foundation, but through other neurologists or epileptologists or maybe there's um, a type of EMU unit that's open closer to them in the northern area than driving all the way down to Boca or Fort Lauderdale. So it's really Mm. about getting the information out there. Um, Also, for people that are invited by someone who has epilepsy, it's great for them now to understand what their friend is going through. You know, what is epilepsy? How does it affect the mind and the brain? And, you know, how can I help? How can I be a good friend? And, you know, not just by pledging money for the person to walk, but in in support and kindness and understanding. That's beautifully said. So that's basically how you raise funds for for the foundation. But I want to know what you think is happening down the road in the, in terms of research. We're going to take a very, very short break, and we'll be right back because I have more questions for you. So don't go away. Okay. Sign up today for my weekly radio show announcements and guest information and receive a free chapter of my newest book, Dancing on Your Disabilities, Never Say Impossible to Your Dreams, My Story of Perseverance, Passion, Hope, and Happiness. Dreams do come true despite adversity. If I can do it, you can do it too. This is Myra with Dancing on Our Disabilities Radio, and we're talking to a really wonderful motivated, lovely woman 
who is working hard for the Epilepsy Foundation to raise money and raise awareness. Her name is Katie Beck. Katie, before I go any further, let's tell people again how they contact you and the main telephone number. Okay, it's um, Katie Beck, and I'm at the West Palm Beach office, and our contact number is 561-478-6515, and my direct extension is 205. Thank you so much for that. Now, I know that there's a lot of research going on to end this, or at least to get a better handle on it at an early stage. What have you heard about advancements? And is there hope that in your daughter's case, as she matures, it'll go away, or it can be gotten rid of completely? Um, yes, there's a lot of um, advancements in treatments. Um, medications are, are usually the, the go-to to see if they work. Um, I'm very blessed because my daughter is on a, a medication that's been around since 1971, and there's barely any side effects, and it's, um, it doesn't affect the liver or the kidneys. Um, so in her situation, um, she's very fortunate. In other types of, of seizures, um, the medications are, are, are very harsh on the body the side effects are almost as bad as some of, of having some of the seizures. Um, so they, they try other methods. Sometimes they'll try surgery um, for people that uh, do not respond to medications. Uh, there are the vagus nerve simulation, which is um, a little pacemaker-like device that is implanted in the, the, the chest wall, and it's attached to the vagus nerve, and, um, and it basically delivers electrical stimulation to the brain at regular intervals, intervals, um, and, and it's supposed to help um, with seizure frequency and severity. Um, I imagine that's a last resort. Um, well, last, the vagus nerve stimulation wouldn't be one of the last resorts. Sometimes it's easier than the medications, and, you know, there's over 39 different types of um, seizure disorders or epilepsy out there. So depending on what, what is going on in the brain, is where they, the severity of the um, the medication that they use or the, the type of uh, treatment. Um, there's dietary uh, therapies like the um, ketogenic diet. Uh, there's, and, and now even with the medical marijuana, with the um, CBD, which is cannabidol, they, um, they've, they've come a long way with clinical trials. And they have found that in certain types of severe seizures that it has um, shown to help. Um, there's a lot of clinical trials still going on. Um, so that's something that we're, um, you know, waiting to see. But they are, sorry, our national foundation, which is the um, Epilepsy Foundation, they are the ones that are in, in charge of the research. Down here we, in the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida, we do more of the, um, the community work and we do more of the social services. And then our national foundation, they do um, most of the research. Mm. It's really amazing the advances that we're seeing in medicine. And I never, ever imagined there would be an implant of any kind that could control these electrical, I guess, 
impulses that happen in the brain. That's very exciting. Wow. Now, when somebody finds out for the first time that they have this disorder, I think it's normal to become afraid and be fearful that it's going to change your life and that what you plan to do and your activities such as driving or giving birth are going to be affected. What do you say to help somebody get over that fear? Well, you know, there's no way to adequately describe um, how terrifying and disturbing it is um, either to see your child having a seizure or to have, you know, have a seizure yourself for the first time. Um, usually what I recommend is is they find someone that they're comfortable with, um, whether it's coming to the foundation, whether it's going to see a neurologist or an epileptologist, um, to get the facts about what's going on. Um, you know, and, and you need an advocate. You need someone that understands what's going on and to give you the, the real information. Because if you just go to the website, I mean, you just go to the Internet, there's all different types of information that you'll find. Um, the Epilepsy Foundation of Florida, as well as um, our National Epilepsy Foundation, their websites are amazing. And the information is um, is very accurate, and it's, it's meant to give the facts, not to scare someone, but to, to let someone know that, look, this is, these are the facts. Here's the, the areas that, um, that we can help you, whether it's blogs or support groups or, um, you know, new treatments that are out there, just information that can help you. Because the, the more you're educated about what you have, the easier it is to understand. And then to reach out to others that are in the same position, and they can say, oh, I went through that. This is what I tried. Or I haven't been through that, but this is a good person that I spoke to that's going through that. To be able to reach out and, and, and you know, talk to someone um, who's been there. Well, I think that groups on the Internet that focus on particular disabilities can help a lot, but they can also frighten people, as you said. I think what you said is so essential that you have to find the right source of information, the right type of education from people who are qualified to tell you what's going on and work with you so that you become more comfortable with your own condition and your own body. Because if you just haphazardly go onto the internet and start reading. Maybe you're going to read completely uninformed information by people about the condition that doesn't apply to you at all. And you're going to imagine the very worst possible scenario, which I think is human nature. So you're absolutely right. If somebody who's newly diagnosed comes to your foundation, to your office, and says, do you have anybody who will help me understand this, besides the doctor? Because sometimes doctors don't give you enough time. Some do, some don't. And you walk away with fears because he gave you an aggressive diagnosis of what you have. So... In your office, do you have people or can you refer a newbie to somebody within this county? 
Absolutely. And we actually have a resource center in our office. We have videos and books and brochures and all types of information to help someone understand, you know, what they're, you know, what they've been diagnosed with. And um, and we also have uh, case managers in our offices that that help with the people that have been diagnosed. They help them find other types of services. Sometimes just to listen. Uh, we do have psychologists here as well that can um, maybe talk to the whole family as well, so that everybody understands because sometimes the, if it's an adult that's diagnosed, the children are scared. So we have these little books that explain to the child, this is what mommy and daddy are going through. Um, this, is, this is what it is on their level because I think it's very important to, to put it in on someone's level so that they understand and, uh, and see the avenues that, um, that are also out there to help them because we have uh, medical services as well for those that um, – kind of fall between the cracks between Medicaid or Medicare or um, regular health insurance. We do provide service, medical services for those that, that cannot afford services or do not fit into another type of coverage. That's very impressive. I, I'm really taken back because I didn't know how extensive a service you provide. It's amazing. Can you tell everybody where you're located? Yes, we are uh, west of 95 on 45th Street, on almost on the corner of Village North and 45th Street. Oh, fantastic. So it's, it's um, pretty accessible for almost anyone. I'm so thrilled that you spent time with us today to explain this and to give hope and information to people that really don't understand because if I didn't, I'm sure there were millions of people like me who didn't understand exactly what epilepsy is and the various types and how extensive you need the information is that's available to educate people i'm really grateful for the time you spent and once again tell everybody about the date of the walk and how they contact you okay the treasure coast walk the talk for epilepsy is saturday march 12th at tradition city hall um, registration begins at eight o'clock and the walk begins at nine and our Walk the Talk for Epilepsy Palm Beach Walk is Sunday, March 13th at Carlin Park in Jupiter. Um, you can register online um, at our website, www.efof.org, or you're welcome to call uh, my office, 561-478-6515, and we can give the information, show you how to register, we also need um, volunteers and sponsors and vendors, and we're looking to have a great time, and we hope everybody will join us. I hope so as well. It's a wonderful cause, and I think what you're doing is fantastic. So thank you once again, Katie. Thank you. I appreciate the time. <laughs> you're most welcome. And for you out there in cyberspace, thank you for listening. You can find us on Facebook.com, Dancing on Our Disabilities. 
Remember to like the page when you visit. You can also find it listed as N-S-I-N-D-O-O-D Radio. Those are all capital letters in the ampi sign. On Stitcher.com, if you have Bluetooth, iTunes, on my website, and tune in. So we're all around. And until next time, if you get the chance to dance or sit it out, always you've been listening to dancing on our disabilities a production created for the people and by the people if you wish to contribute information your story or reliable validated medical information to our program please visit myra goldick or visit our facebook fan page at facebook.com slash dancing on our disabilities Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.